Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we are going to be learning Lech Lecha Revi'i, the fourth Aliyah in Parshas Lech Lecha. The Aliyah is 20 Pesukim long, running from Perik Yudalit Pasuk Aleph to Pasuk Chof. The main topic is the war of the four and the five kings. Let's take a quick look at this Aliyah inside and then we will take a few points to ponder. First we hear about these four kings, Amraphel, the king of Shinar, Arioch, the king of Elasar, Kedala, Omer, the king of Elam, and Sidal, the king of Goyim. They make a war with these five kings called Bera, the king of Sodom, Birsha, the king of Amora, Shinav, the king of Ad, Ad, um, Adma, Shem Ever, the king of Tzvoim, and, uh, and the king of Bela, and Bela, who is the king of Tsar. Um, we then hear how all of these uh, ga- 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 gather together in the Emek Hasidim, this, this valley of Hasidim, and they, uh, which is the area of the Yamamelech where the Dead Sea is today. And, um, and the five kings were subdued by the um, the four kings. The four kings are obviously more powerful, and um, and they they uh, they had paid homage to Kedalaomer. But for thirteen years after, for twelve years they were submitted, and for thirteen years they rebelled. And it was in the fourteenth year of, of the rebellion that Kedalaomer was no longer willing to take this um, this uh, 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 and this rebellion. And he brought his army to to the um, to the area of Ashtoreth Kanaim, and he, he destroyed the Rephaim and various nations. And uh, the, and we hear about his conquests and. They come to this area called Ein Mishpat, and, um, and we hear about further conquests, and then they finally, and, and uh, finally the five kings come out to to fight the coalition, and uh, we hear that there, there are these pits of clay in this, in this uh, area that they're fighting, in Emek Hasidim, again they're fighting it sounds like, and um, and the, they go into pursuit, they are being chased, um, they are being chased, and the king of Sodom and Amorah, they fall into the pits, and the rest of their peoples disperse into the mountains, and at this point in time, the, the more powerful armies of Amraphel, of Kedar Laomer, um, take captive everything in the way, everything in, um, of these cities, of these smaller cities, these five cities. And uh, that includes Lot, that includes his family, all the, all the assets of Lot, which is in the area. So this refugee comes to Avram and he tells him, he tells him not, uh, that... Uh, that the, what's happening over here is is that your 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 brother was was taken captive. So Avram Vino immediately mobilizes his 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 those who are part of his household, and um, and he goes and he, he pursues. He goes in straight into battle against these four Middle East Dominion, this coalition, um, and um, they divide up of night and they actually managed to conquer them and push them all the way back to Damascus, all the way to an area just near Damascus. And they take all the possessions that have been confiscated and they return, at which point in time the king of Sodom comes out to, to, uh, to, to greet him after this incredible, this miraculous win. But before he's able to speak Malkitzedek, the king of Shalem comes out and he brings out bread and wine. And he's, we hear that he's a priest to, uh, to Kel Elyon, to Hashem. And uh, he gives a blessing, and he says, "Blessed is Avram Avinu, who's the who's the the possession, who's the 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 vehicle of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and blessed is Hashem who protect, who gave you, protected you, and gave your enemies in your hand. And therefore, you are going to give a tithe, a maaser mikol from everything." What a very interesting aliyah. So a lot of things to think about. Number one is, what is the point of this whole section? Why are we being told about this whole episode? There are many, many reasons we can learn about this. The Rav Hirsch has an interesting idea and in that he says that we're hearing about the emergence of kings. The word melech, king, comes from the words nimlach, which means to make decisions. And when one appoints a king, it comes from the fact that one wants to live a lifestyle of enjoyment and one wants to 
outsource the decision-making, the governance, the basic nitty-gritty of life to someone else who can do that for oneself. And therefore, one designates a king. And when you have very luxurious cities, like these cities of the valley, which are and they live in the plains, these beautiful, beautiful areas, that what they really want to do is they just want to live a free lifestyle. So we'll, we'll, gov- we'll get a, a governor, a king, somebody to take care of these things. And even the governors themselves are, work or operate on the same kind of currency where, where they will pay homage, they'll pay homage to, to, uh, to an overlord, to other kings, for safety and security. So there's this notion of, I'll pay my way just to be able to live the lifestyle I want. And that's sort of a, a, a sense of depravity, which is ultimately a servitude to powers outside of oneself because one wants to be able to have that freedom or imaginary freedom inside. So it's just a description of the age as well. Another thing Rav Hirsch points out is that Israel is the, really the crossroads of history. It's the crossroads between Africa, Asia, Europe, and all converges the Fertile Crescent here, which is why major battles of history have taken place at these crossroads in Israel, which makes it a very unique place. Avram has come to this land, and the first thing he encounters was a famine, and now he's, he's, he's essentially a world war is occurring over here, because Israel is a complex place, but that actually is part of the chosenness, is that it is, it is the focus of the world as well. It is interesting that a Jew, or this a Jew is actually an anachronistic term right now, but a, this, this Hebrew, Avram is going to be this person who is going to have a, a larger than proportional expression on the, the stage of human history in the place of Israel when there are many other things at stake. And that seems to be really an example of how the Jew will act throughout history when there are much bigger things going on and the role that the Jew has in that, which is representative of the story. Now, who are these kings? Rashi said they're all bad folks on both sides, the dominators and those who are dominated. Yeah, so as an example, Amraphel, who's one of the leaders of the, of the coalition of four, is Nimrod, who's the one who told Avram Avin to jump in the fire, and his name therefore is Amraphel, Amarful, he says, go jump in the fire. And even though the folks on the other side, Bera and Birsha and Shinav and Shemever, those are, they're all names which have negative connotations in terms of their where they acted to heaven. So there's no, there's no great tzaddikim in this whole episode. It is worthwhile noting that the Rav Hertz Chumash um, quotes uh, the, the academic sources that identify um, Amraphel um, with Hammurabi. For those who are aware of it, we have the, uh, the, the, the Hammurabi stele. We have some of his writings, an extremely arrogant and powerful king of the time. He dominated the Middle East. He lived um, around um, the years 1945 to 1902 before Common Era. And um, he was a very powerful person who took over the entire area. And he, we have historical account of his defeating of the of the Elamites um, and the area in the middle in the Middle East. We have the Hammurabi Code, which talks about the laws that he instated in those areas. So we talk about a very, very powerful historical figure to appreciate who Avram Avinu was, in fact, conquering. Now, why is it significant that we hear that the battlefield had pits of clay and they fell into the pits of clay? So Rashi gives us a very fascinating perspective that there were people who, di- who, who perhaps poo-pooed, disagreed with the fact that Avram could have succeeded in surviving the, the Ur-Kastim, the fire of the furnace of Kastim. And when it was that these um, individuals who fell into these pits, who really should have died, had came out, then w- and seeing that this was all facilitated by Avram, then they realized afterwards that, in fact, um, retroactively, this was all part of the same miracle for the same person. 
Now, who is this refugee who comes to Avram? So famously, Rashi quotes the, the Tanchuma and the Medjabah that this is Og. Why is he a refugee? Two options. The Tanchuma says he is a refugee because of Amraphel's killing off all the Rephaim, the giants, and he was the last survivor of that. So he's a refugee from that massacre. Or it could be as a refugee from the flood. Why is he doing it? So Rashi it says because he has interests in Sarah. So yes, he has his own interests in survival and the change of the Middle East, but he has his own personal um, interests in this. And nonetheless, Avram Avinu does what is the right thing, which is to fight on behalf of his nephew, even though his nephew left him. Who did Avram conscript? So Rashi quotes the Gomorrah in Nadarim, who says that they're either it's all 318 of his household friends and servants, or it could be Eliezer himself, who is the Gematria 318, um, which therefore would amplify the miracle as well. Now, what, do, what does it say, Vayachalek Avram? It, 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 we hear about this division. What is his division? So it could be he divides his people at night, or more mystically speaking, the night was divided. The rest of that night was saved for a later point in Jewish history. When is that? Leave that for homework. When is the other half of this night used? Okay, now who's this Malkitzedek who comes out afterwards? So the Ibn Ezra says, well, he's clearly the king of Shalem. Shalem later on in Tanakh is identified with Yerushalayim. So this is the Semite section the, 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 of Yerushalayim because the other half of it was controlled by the Emory. Um, you will see. Uh, Rashi says this is shame. This is the, the son of Noah, who still is around, is a great tzaddik, great righteous person at this point in time. Now, was he doing the right thing in blessing, um, in, in blessing Aram? So answer is yes, he was. But the Gemara in Adarim does point out, the Daasakanim quotes this, that it was a little bit inappropriate in that he first blesses, um, he first goes on to bless um, um, Avram and then Hashem and that's inappropriate which is why the kahuna the priesthood was taken away from him in an uh, interesting halacha Rav Herschel Shechto points out that, that it's important that therefore when doing a lachaim one should say a bracha first then drink and then say the wish the lachaim and the tidings because first we say the bracha to Hashem we don't, we, we don't say it like Malkit said except over here first giving the lachaim to the other person of course one doesn't should not be saying the bracha and then giving the lachaim and then drinking. That would be a hefsek, but um, that, that would be appropriate, which is learned from here as well. Um, and finally, one last point over here is why is Malkitzedek in the middle of the Melech Sodom conversation? We hear the king of Sodom coming, and then we hear Malkitzedek interrupting and talking about giving him food and telling him to give ma'aser tithing. So I think the, the perspective over here is the following, is that there are many people who come when there is victory. There are many people who look in and say, wow, this is pretty incredible. You facilitated the most incredible miracles. But they have different perspectives on it, why it is that you won. Malki Tzedek understands that the reason why you won is because Hashem wanted you to win and so you owe him to give him a master to show that this is not your victory. Whereas the King of Saddam, who is about to see in the next Aliyah, says to him, well, you know, uh, you, you own all the property, meaning to say her conquest is right and you, had the, you, you did it so you own it. Two different perspectives from outsiders vying for the attention of Avram and his relationship with his victory theologically. Avram Avinu accepts the voice of Malkitzedek, not the voice of the king of Saddam. With this, we close the fourth aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.